away. Welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny and I'm joined this week as always by my co-host Brian Wells. In this week's episode, we'll be reacting to NFL Week 4, starting off with the Thursday night game, giving our thoughts on the Tua Tagovailoa situation with the Dolphins, leaving with a very scary looking concussion just a few days after being cleared from concussion protocol. We'll also react to the Steelers and the Patriots suffering another tough loss this weekend to drop to one and three. And we'll play fact or fiction based on some of the other big notable action from this past weekend. Finally, we'll conclude this episode by answering five questions based on Major League Baseball, talking about Aaron Judge's home run case. We'll give our thoughts on the Red Sox and the Pirates and what we believe they should do this offseason. And we'll also give our early predictions and expectations for the MLB playoffs and the World Series. So with that, let's get started. So I don't know about you, but I'm pretty much ready for basketball season at this point. Like that is uh, definitely my 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 sport at the moment. Yeah, our teams are no longer any good at this point in terms of in terms of football. It definitely not the same as it used to be for the past 10, 15, 20 years with yeah. with, our, with the franchise quarterbacks that each team had. <laughs> Uh, no, and we'll we'll definitely get into that. But uh, you know, NBA is is coming up soon, and the the Celtics as uh, high as we can be on them, given they're coming off a NBA Finals appearance, have had a bit of a, a weird ending to their off season. Preseason's underway, big forty point one of the Hornets, but it was Joe Mazzulla, the interim head coach on the bench, and not Ime Udoka. Yeah, it looks like he's in for a he's in for a season. Uh, the Celtics are still the favorites entering the year, which shows you that coaching isn't the most important factor in the NBA, but Joe Mazzulla certainly has a tough assignment just given the expectations of the team and how they finished last year, losing in the finals. And again, coming into the year as title favorites, adding a couple of pieces on their team. But he's coming into a situation where he's replacing a guy that certainly has off-the-court issues that we did all did not expect. Yeah, yeah, definitely some pretty shocking news to wake up to when that happened. And it was just all of a, like, slowly leaking out reports. The first, it was Yudoka is expected to be suspended for a lengthy amount of time. And then you get these report of a consensual relationship with a team staff member. And it's like, okay, power dynamics exist in companies, you know, organizations, doesn't matter. Not surprising the Celtics would have a team rule because they're just asking for a lawsuit, you know, whether it's playing favoritism while things are going well or the opposite of that when things inevitably end. You're just setting yourselves up for a bad time down the road when you allow stuff like that to happen with someone in a position of authority who can have any sort of a say in salary adjustment, promotions, hiring, firing, has a relationship with a 
person below them in the organization. So I get the idea of him facing some kind of punishment. But it was shocking to hear it was a full year when you hear it was a consensual relationship. I te- I texted you guys in our group chat when I found out it was a full year. Well, Woj reported it that it may be a full year. And then all of a sudden it was confirmed that he's mm-hmm. going to be suspended for the full year. And that just blew my mind hearing the report that it's a, it was a consensual relationship and the only thing that really made sense to me was that that report was inaccurate and that, that there was more going on, which is certainly to be the case. Now, we don't know the exact details, and all of us would like to know exactly what happened, but it sounds like it was more, it was it was not just a consensual thing, and it was, because if, if it were, if it was just a typical workplace affair, then the Celtics would just hide it under the rug. They, they certainly wouldn't go this far with it, but given the length of the suspension and Ime accepting it, and he probably won't even coach again for the Celtics. No, not probably. He seems, definitely won't catch yeah. coach the Celtics again. Uh-huh. It it seems like there is certainly more going on. Yeah, so you get the Woj reporting, which I didn't know this at the time. Woj and Yudoka apparently have the same agent. But I did not know Sham, that. Yeah. Sham Sharanya, you know, behind his athletic paywall, uh, was reporting all these things about harassment, and then we get... You know, more reports from Woj recently with like crude language and it there's a lot of vague stuff. You really don't know exactly what any of this stuff means. You have to present it in a professional manner, but I, I, it does sound what he did was pretty bad. I mean the Matt Barnes video, I don't know if you saw that. Yes, where he I went did from see defending it. him I, to I hated I was Matt way Barnes wrong. in his career. <laughs> he was he was a ticking time bomb as a player uh-huh. with all of his off the court issues. And if he of all people is saying that it's a hundred times worse than what's being reported, and uh, he, and if he's saying that he may Udoka won't coach again, he must have done something bad. For if someone like Matt Barnes with his off the court <laughs> history, if if someone like him were to say that, then it's probably really bad. Yeah, and I we'll see when we actually find out more details. I think at this point, even though I don't fully understand what happened, I think I've kind of accepted that he deserves to never coach the Celtics again. And my initial thought when they suspended him for a year was like, if you think it was this bad, why didn't you just fire him? I think they're still hoping he just chooses to resign. But now there's questions not, is he going to coach the Celtics again, but is he going to be coach anywhere again? That's the real because question. It, because yeah, he, it seems Pretty it's inevitable that point. he'll they'll they'll let him go at some point, and yeah, it, I, who, who knows? We'll see. There, we just we don't know all the details, and I'm I'm kind of surprised that when all the news came out a couple weeks ago or a week and a half ago, I thought there was I thought there'd be more news reported at this point, but so far yeah, it's just that I consensual agree. relationship and then crude language and all these vague terms, like you said, and. You you want you want more. <laughs> we we yeah. all want to know more more details. Yeah, it's definitely still more speculation and rumors than any kind of substantial facts. But it, it's not all bad news in Celtics land because Blake Griffin is on the team now, so that's fun. Yeah, completely washed up Blake Griffin, <laughs> averaging five points per game. I'm sure that'll be fun. No, yeah, I, mean, I mean they could use a big. He's man. an exciting they, player. Yes, they could use for a big sure. man, and he's not. There there have been names like Carmelo brought up and I, I I don't think Blake Griffin yes Blake Griffin is washed but I don't think he's like a a poison in the locker room or someone that is going to get in the way I think he's someone that he I think I think he knows his role at this point oh for sure 
I, I think he, if Blake Griffin averages more than like 12, 15 minutes a game, yeah. then either he he's, is he's not a gonna, totally different player than we've seen the past he, few years or something's gone horribly wrong. He's not going to make that much of an impact, but it, it helps a little. And Time Lord's I not going to be. I think the veteran leadership aspect is going to yeah, be. Yeah, and, and Time Lord is going to be out for two to three months. So Yeah, just, I mean, that, that happened right before the Udoka news. Just, uh, yeah. Big and in Gallinari's injury too, that turned out to be as bad as they thought it initially was. So uh I I understand the the reasoning to sign Blake Griffin and take a chance on him and bring in a veteran big man. The whole the whole situation sucks though, just because yeah, they were two games away from winning it all last year and they added Malcolm Brogdon, who I think fits extremely well with the mm-hmm. Celtics, and you certainly could make a case that they should be able to win, and and honestly, still, even with the coaching change, I still think they should have just as good of a chance as anyone at winning the title. But it, yeah, it's just a mess because Joe Missoula, hey, the coach, the, the excuse me, the players might like him, but he doesn't have a lot of coaching experience. And another thing is, like, okay, they like him, but they liked him when he was the assistant coach an, an assistant coach where they can go to to talk to and uh-huh. like it's a it's a different it's a different vibe when he's the head coach i don't yeah. know if that makes oh, any right. sense at Absolutely. all but yeah no it does and he wasn't even the top assistant because the top assistant will hardy was hired by the jazz yeah he was, so he, was he was sitting like he was sitting basically in the second row with fans basically yeah exactly <laughs> so He's, I think he's like 34 years old. Now he did have some experience coaching in the G League, but it's definitely um, and, and Division you know, Two, not even Division One. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. It's it's uh, it, it feels kind of crazy, but at the same time, you can almost say, well, maybe he's right away an early candidate for Coach of the Year because the Celtics do have such a great roster, and if he's able to continue that success, maybe voters will look at him and his inexperience and all the turmoil that led to his hiring and reward him for it. Hey, so. hey and it got off to a rocky start last year. People forget that even mm-hmm. though it was almost a uh, a perfect ending for the Celtics, it was not good in the first half of the season. They were a 500 team. They were in the play-in tournament, they were like a like a seven or eight seed, like barely squeaking in the playoffs. I don't even think sudden, they were even that high. It, like yeah, it, was, it might it have been even lower. I think it, I think it was like as uh, low as like eleventh. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they had the craziest turnaround in the second half of the season, and so so even though Ime did a good job last year and and was was a factor, it wasn't always perfect last year. So I'd imagine. There could be something similar with with Joe Missoula, but I mean, how stupid is Ime Udoka though? Like, he he a dozen for a dozen years or so, he's been working as an assistant coach, trying to move up the ranks, become a head coach, and he finally gets a head coaching gig. And it's not just some random team he's coaching; he's coaching the Boston Celtics, a, a big, huge basketball market. And one year in, he he does a good job, and it seems like he's got a a job for for a a long time <laughs> and, a, yeah. and a good on a good team with good players and 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 he, he throws, throws it, it over away. over yeah. this and he he's married he's on oh, that married but he's engaged, he's not married he's in a, engaged yeah. to neil long neil uh-huh. long of all people <laughs> lisa yeah. on fresh oh. prince <laughs> like how could you cheat on her that just makes no sense to me that i, I it looks it looks bad on ime um and the celtics uh, the Celtics a little bit because 
if you remember the press conference with with uh, Wick Rosebeck and Brad Stevens, they had to mm-hmm. come out and and they had to talk about. I remember Brad got emotional over. You know, there are some women that were dragged through the mud because once the email news broke out about the consensual relationship with someone on the staff, it, well, people can just do a quick Google search and look up the staff and see, you know, a few female names. And all of a sudden you see pictures of them on Twitter and getting dragged through the mud and unfairly. And which is just, that's just a bad look on the Celtics part. Now, I don't know. I mean, there's no playbook on how to handle that, but it still looks bad. No, and I think a lot of that is also just the whole insider, you know, needing to be the first to break news because, you know, Woj was reporting a suspension and just led to speculation and then slowly leaking things out there. And I I think that that was, there was just too much time before the Celtics made any type of announcement. And there was just way too much information out to the public that led to plenty of time for people to do speculation and do their own, uh, you know, internet searches. And yeah, it, it was really unfortunate situation. So it, it does look really bad on the Celtics. And I, I don't know if it's fully on the Celtics because that's, that's definitely not how they wanted things to play out. So I'm sure as the year goes on, it won't be that big of a distraction, but starting the year, it, it's got to be. It's got to be. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it's definitely going to be talked about. And, you know, there's, I'm sure there will be some growing pains for Missoula as head coach. And, you know, hopefully they can kind of weather the storm similar to last year, like you said. Um, but, you know, these are going to be tough. There's, I'm, I'm curious how the players feel about the decision to suspend him and probably not coach again. If Yeah, I would think that if they actually know the story, which, like, they kind of have to know, right? You can't just they probably are, this yeah, big they, news. They like probably they, know anyone, at least in that organization, probably does know. The, the real story and then other insiders probably know as well like Matt and Barnes I, I would and think others know yeah right I would think that they would be understanding and ex- accepting of the news uh you know if they know fully what went down and why it was an issue but if they don't like that could create turmoil yeah. oh yeah, for cause, sure because Brown and Tatum like what if like they liked the email they were with they handpicked him by report right so. and so if they don't agree with the decision then how does that look for them in their outlook in terms of like this year and being a future Celtic for many mm-hmm. years to come like what if I'm, I'm already overthinking it and thinking too far ahead <laughs> but you know what yeah. I mean yeah no I get it that that was also an immediate concern of mine when this news started to break so uh, yeah I mean I think that we'll see how things start to play out two weeks till basketball season we'll, we'll talk plenty more nba as uh it, it starts and and who knows you know, we'll maybe have... there'll be more news to break and then yeah we'll talk it, about it it's possible we'll see i don't know what the timeline is at this point given how slow it's been you know for the first week and a half yeah. but for now let's talk about football nfl week four and the the biggest news of the weekend probably started with the thursday night game uh to Otago vailoa week three against the bills uh was stumbling following a hit taken into concussion protocol ended up returning to the game after clearing the protocol dolphin said it was just back spasm issues that caused him to suffer from immobility but in uh the second quarter thursday night against cincinnati Bengals, he took a hard hit into the ground and ended up having to be stretchered off the field so it's ignited a huge debate across the nfl media online 
over whether or not Tua should have been playing in the Bengals game, what kind of changes need to be made to the concussion protocol. And it's a scary situation that, you know, the, the league has dealt with concussions for a long time and it seems like it's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, it's not a good look for the league just because we we've seen how big of an issue it is with concussions and how seriously it needs to be taken and something like that could really make not just look bad in the league but I don't want to say shut down the league but it could lead to lawsuits or it could lead to really bad things and so yeah no it, it, it could turn fans away I know a lot of people shut off that game after that happened and uh you know money is definitely a big factor with the NFL and you know, lawsuits are the the big center of that too so yeah I, I it's not it's not a great look but I, I will say it's gonna sound bad on my part but trying to play devil's advocate but I kind of look at the like Dolphins organization as a whole or, or like the coach the the Tua himself because I'd imagine it was all a collective decision that like hey I I, I think I can manage this or like and try to win this game because they st- they're off to a good start. They look like a playoff team and they're coming off a sh- they're coming off a short week where they only got a few days to prepare and and I I think I personally believe that it was a collective decision. Now, it looks bad on the the doctors, the worst uh, of anybody because they should be the end end all be all in terms of uh, if he should play or not, but I'd imagine the coach and Tua played a part in saying like, "Hey, I do you think you can go out there? Like, yeah, I believe I can go out there and this is no big deal. And they obviously were wrong and that he should not have been playing that night. But, uh, I don't know. That's just me, I guess. No, I, I, I don't think that the dolphins deserve the most blame here because the NFL protocols have an unaffiliated neurotrauma consultant who does this. And if you're cleared from concussion protocol, then I understand wanting to throw him back out there. Now, I think that there is a human element to it that needs to be factored in, and it's something that's easy to overlook in a sport that is driven by money and wins and losses. But I think the fact that the UNC, who evaluated two on Sunday, was fired by the NFLPA because of uh, just hostility and other issues during their investigation, I think that tells me that the blame needs to be more on the league and who they have doing that protocol uh, because to me, the hit that Tua suffered that injury on on Thursday night didn't seem bad enough that it should do that on its own. Like it's clear that there was some lingering effects from that Sunday, and it he was slammed I, the ground a little bit. He would. It wasn't. It wasn't like a soft hit. He wasn't laid down like I a, know what you on mean. A pillow, that. It but was it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't look like his head snapped back or like really slammed into the ground. It looked like just a regular sack. And obviously, Tua's reaction to it made it look worse than it really was. But I don't know that I fully blame the Dolphins here. I think it's a league problem as a no, whole. I, We've seen. I, yeah, I, I think some of it goes in the Dolphins, but I don't want to say all of it does. It's one of those things where the Dolphins could have taken extra precautions. But like you said, if, if Tua says he's good to go, if the team doctors say, yeah, he passed protocol, he's good to go, then I understand him being thrown back out there. I, and I think it just speaks more to issues at the league and like not taking brain injuries serious enough, even though they've been telling us that they do for the past decade. I guess I just didn't like how everyone said, oh, Meg McDaniel should be fired. And yeah, like, that, he's the coach. No. He's, his job is to help the team win games. And uh, 
and yes, maybe he wasn't looking in the best interest of the player's health, but he's not the only coach that doesn't. I mean, look at the. I don't. Do you remember Super Bowl Forty Nine with Julian Edelman? Remember when? Yeah. He, oh yeah. He was catching passes, and all of a sudden he was stumbling in the fourth quarter, uh-huh. and like. I don't. I don't hear Patriots fans complain about that. Like people yeah, talk so, about his toughness, and then uh, he went out exactly. there and, yeah. and won. Not and that. They, uh, oh, they I can't believe just... they let him play through that. Like no. Like the uh-huh. the job is to. You want to look in the best interest of the player at times, but at the same time, you your, well, your main focus is trying to win like the you're, game. <laughs> you're viewed as a tough player for playing through injuries. Now we've seen plenty of guys play through various injuries and not perform well, and it hurts the team. But yeah, I mean that situation, it was a hip injury. But the NFL just instituted new updated rules to the policy where if you show gross motor inabilities, then you're going to get pulled out of the game. But in the case of Edelman, it wasn't a concussion. It wasn't a head injury, but he would have been taken out of the Super Bowl for that. And I think that there would have been a lot of outrage over that. So they, they need to figure this out. But I think this week we saw um, maybe extra caution in some of the cases. We saw two other quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor, Brian Hoyer, go out with concussions. And they were basically immediately ruled out of the game. So uh, I think that's something we might start to see from here. We also saw Cameron Brait for the Bucks take a big hit from his own teammate, Chris Godwin, and stay out. He's, so did, I, did he stay in, but then a later come out, though, I think? Yeah, he stayed in for a few more. Right. I think he had like three more targets before he came out of the game. So it, it's, it's I do remember that kind though, of an issue he, right now. I do remember exactly what you're talking about, though, that he got hit, he got dinged up mm-hmm. a bit, and but he still stayed in, but then came out later. Yeah. Yeah, so it's something that I think the NFL needs to clean up. You know, it's something that needs to be prioritized more, and it's tough to do it in, in a league where the expectation is that you're going to put out the best product in every single week. And this is a primetime game; everyone's watching. Fans would rather see Tua Tagovailoa than Teddy Bridgewater. So I understand it from that perspective, but at the same time, you know, maybe if the rules were a little different and the pressure wasn't there it would have been easy to overlook and maybe two is good to go moving forward. Instead of now, there's just so he, much. He flew home with the team. <laughs> yeah. Which also sounds kind of crazy to get on a plane. Yeah. Get on a plane where it's going but... up and down. And then yeah. Mike McDaniel and Tua, they were watching MacGruber, MacGruber. Dig- I, I saw that. Together. Yeah, just laughing like... <laughs> together. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know if it's good to watch a screen, but yeah, I don't know. It sounds like he cares for Tua at least, but. Yeah, it's also not a good look at the same time, though. And no, I think everyone involved definitely deserves some blame. It looks bad on everyone's part, and I don't know that there's a an easy answer, an obvious one to fix this. Which is kind of why I had like a tough time trying to explain but... like, what. To, <laughs> what yeah, is, I mean, it, it seems like <laughs> it seemed like they had you know serious protocols, but it they're constantly having to update them over situations like this, and we're seeing it mid season, you know, just immediately reacting, and you know it. I don't know if this will prevent all concussions moving forward, and the neurologist you know, who got fired. Make things better. Do you think that was just uh, like the fall guy? Uh, and see, that was what you, I was or wondering. Do you, think, uh, do you think it really was like, hey, this is your fault? You should be fired, kind of thing. So I think that the NFLPA didn't love the interview they had with him. Was a big part of it is that he didn't understand what he did wrong, and they they used the term hostile to describe how he was feeling in it. So I think that. 
in some ways it might have been a PR move, uh, but it, it sounded like they at least you know had reason to be like, okay, no, let's not give this guy the benefit of the doubt and let's my, get rid of him. My initial reaction was PR move in that, like, hey, yeah, we, no, we gotta, I, we I gotta thought, fire somebody to make to yeah, look right, like the good and guys. that's the easiest person to blame because they're unaffiliated from the league. So I get that. So two has already been ruled out of the Dolphins week five game against the Jets. And I guess that's a good transition because the Jets on Sunday in week four went into Pittsburgh, beat the Steelers 24 to 20 comeback victory. And I got to tell you, this was one of the most disappointing Steelers losses of my lifetime. Uh, Just playing, playing the Jets. And I get that this Jets team, like there's a lot of intrigue with them that maybe they're not the same kind of pushover that they've been for the the better part of the past decade. I'm not surprised that it was a ball game, but yeah, it, it's still disappointing that you were probably going to say it. That's still disappointing that the, they still lost, though. It was a must-win game when it came down to it, especially when you look ahead at the upcoming schedule. Oh, and the thought is that if you if you can't be the Jets up. at home, how are you going to win any of these games? And it it's especially disappointing when you bring in Kenny Pickett and things start to look good. He leads a couple touchdown drives, but in the end, the defense lets Zach Wilson and the Jets drive twice on the final two possessions for long touchdowns and yeah just a brutal way to lose in the last second and now the Steelers are one and three and it's just really hard to be optimistic about this team they got the Bills Bucks Dolphins Eagles Saints and Bengals next all six teams are yes some of them are a little bit better than the others but all six of them have a shot at winning uh either have a chance or definitely should be favored I mean, the, yeah, the, I mean, the Bills are favored by two touchdowns. Those, yeah, that's the the largest I've seen the Steelers as underdogs, and I I don't know if I've seen them that high. I I was like I get it, but I was still shocked to see that point spread, and um, not the most ideal situation for Kenny Pickett to making his first NFL start, and it it is really disappointing how the Steelers have mismanaged that quarterback situation because Kenny Pickett was inserted to a game at halftime with no expectation of playing, no first-team rep. And I don't know, I kind of appreciate the concept of wanting to throw a kid into the fire and see how he comes out, but it just it feels like they were they could have just started him on 10 days, and now it just I think, looks, I think that's what looks should, worse. I don't blame him for, for starting Trubisky week one and then... And then week two, week three, but week three because it was they were they were playing on Thursday night football, and it's like you don't want to start Pickett on a few on days. a short week in Cleveland, short week, at, yeah, on the road in Cleveland. I, I yeah, this this would have been the game to start him. Uh, yeah, yeah, and it's it, it just feels like that situation was botched, and you know the defense, regardless of who's playing quarterback, the defense has been an issue the past few weeks. Just you know inability to close out games, letting the Patriots run out the last six and a half minutes of that game in week two last week against the Browns Jacoby Brissett Nick Chubb were able to have their way with them at various times and then of course you know this game Zach Wilson got off to a slow start but he really had no issues moving the ball in the fourth quarter and yeah it's it's tough looking at this and um, I guess just focusing on the whole quarterback situation I do feel for Trubisky because you know he's someone who I really wanted to root for I was excited about him but he was ultimately set up to fail when the Steelers drafted a quarterback in the first round who was not only a Heisman finalist, but went 
to the school in the city that the NFL team plays in, fans were going to be clamoring for him as soon as possible. You know, I know that not every Pittsburgh Steelers fan roots for the Pitt Panthers. Plenty of West Virginia and Penn State fans did the opposite, but fans went through two decades between Terry Bradshaw and Ben Rossberger of just absolute futility at the quarterback position. And when you have a franchise guy for 17 years, you don't want to wait a long time for the next one. So as soon as Trubisky struggled, fans would be chanting Kenny and, you know, trying to, you know, booing him off the field and trying to get the, the rookie into the game. And I think that affected Trubisky's play because instead of taking chances and, you know, trying to do what he could to win the game, he was, being overly cautious, trying not to turn the ball over, making safe plays. And I think that hurt him just as much as if he was, you know, trying to air things out, if not worse. So that was definitely an issue all along. And now, you know, Kenny Pickett is the starting quarterback, which I'm excited about, but it he might it look doesn't feel like he's going to salvage the schedule. season. <laughs> when you combine their O-line and the schedule that they're about to face in these next half dozen games. He might be set up to fail too, though. <laughs> he, yeah. Oh, I know. I, I don't know that either quarterback would have been in better position, but I think the idea was that you wanted the veteran to kind of lead you through the opening part of the season, give Kenny Pickett more time to, to kind of work on his game and, you know, learn the offense and get used to life in the NFL. But ultimately Pickett, it, it still I, needed to go to Pickett. I do understand the frustration though, because as a Trubisky hater, it would be easy for me to just say, oh, he sucks. Like, I told you he wasn't going to be good. But, no, I get it. Uh, he has shown some upside. Uh, he's definitely has shown more downside, but he's definitely sh- flashed with his with his mobility and his arm at times uh, when he was in Chicago. And then he, he's on the bench for a year in Buffalo under, uh, you know, a good offensive system. So, you're looking at a second chance for him as a starting QB in the league. But like you said, he's entering a situation where they draft a quarterback in the first round, a guy that went to a school in the city and it was only a matter of time before he was going to get the job. And so that combining that and the old line that they have. Yeah. I, I, I do kind of agree with that, that Trubisky was kind of set up to fail and, I thought he was going to last a little bit longer than the- I I did too. I was I was hopeful he would. I thought that he'd be able to navigate through much longer of the season than he did. And um uh, I think that you know Trubisky seemed like the guy who would be good for this offense, just his mobility and uh you know being I even able to said do it myself the that pocket. you did. That, yeah. That even even me who's again a hater of the guy, even I said that Putting him in the uh, QB over Big Ben, who was just totally washed at 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 that point last year, I'm I was thinking to myself, you know, they might actually be getting a upgrade at the quarterback position, whether if it's him or Pickett. Uh, and they made the playoffs last year, so like I I don't think the Steelers are very good, and I think it's shown in these first four games that they that they aren't, and that it's not going to be a good season for them. But I didn't totally rule them out just because they did make it last year and I personally and maybe maybe you and others thought they were actually going to get a little bit more production at the quarterback position yeah and I also thought that the defense was going to be much better I thought that they would have cleaned up the run defense and that you know the defense could get back to that elite ways that they were in 2019 and most of 2020 and 
it's just been a totally different defense ever since T.J. Watt was injured. I mean, five takeaways, sacked Joe Burrow seven times in that opening game, and the past three weeks just haven't had the same kind of production. So, uh, you know, it it sounds like Watt is going to be good to come back pretty shortly after coming off IR, but I don't know that he's going to be enough. You know, maybe you can look at, you know, that first game against the Bucs and say, well, their offense hasn't been as great as it was supposed to be, mostly when, when guys were injured. So maybe TJ Watt can be a difference maker in that one. And then look ahead to the Dolphins. who said, we don't know who their quarterback will be. The Eagles, you know, they're, they're a very good football team. And maybe you can try to convince yourself, but I just feel like I'm grasping at straws at this point. Like the, yeah. this, I've seen the Steelers get off to slow starts. Even just last year, they started one and three. Similar boat upset week one lose three in a row they ended up uh you know finding a way to sneak into the playoffs but i just I think don't it's know a taller task ahead. it just, is a much taller task at this point given that there's again their schedule is really difficult these next six games but not only that but the defense is not as good as it was last year but of course like you, you lose defensive player of the year yeah your defense is going to take a step back yeah, it, it, it's incredible just how much of an impact he has. And it's one of those things where I think that I thought that he was just a piece to a great defense, but it, it starts to seem like he is the defense and just makes everyone else around him better. And I, I think Minka Fitzpatrick does that as well. But, you know, Minka plus TJ Watt is much better than Minka on his own. Cam Hayward has been really disappointing. I think he's playing through injury, but he... I don't know, maybe he's starting to show his age, and ideally things will get better with him with Watt out there. Alex Highsmith has looked promising. I think he still leads the league in sacks, but he had a few times where he wasn't able to wrap up Zach Wilson, and he was able to, at the very least, throw the ball away and avoid a big loss. And could have been huge to be able to get him down instead of uh, you know second or third and 10 having a second or third and 17. That could make a big difference. So I'm, I'm I curious think that, how their offense is going to look, too. Because, I mean, they're not off to the best start either. Deontay, he'll he'll get a a gazillion catches and and yards, but no, never score. And then he almost had like one of the greatest touchdowns. I, know, I did see that. Like that. To, if honestly, if Trubisky is able to get that ball to Johnson before he steps out, barely steps out. I don't know if he gets benched at halftime. Mm-hmm. I think that that might have been enough to keep him in the game because that was such an incredible ball. But yeah, so he gets yes, tar- he gets yeah. all the targets no matter who's the quarterback, but never scores. And then I mean, Claypool has been Claypool. really disappointing the past year and and into this year too. I that that first interception, that, like yeah, yeah, I was Pickett watching when that happened. Coverage, and but I I kind of blame him more than Pickett. I mean, Pickett is throwing a deep ball, he's, and he's six four. Yeah, Claypool. <laughs> Jordan Whitehead's five eight. Claypool uh, should win that battle. Battle. I'm not like, saying he should have caught it, but I'm I definitely think he should have made a just hit off a his better, a better effort at ca- either catching it or making sure the other guy doesn't catch it yeah 50 50 ball for chase claypool just means 50 percent chance is intercepted 50 percent chance it falls incomplete like that's, <laughs> that's he a good never wins those he used to at least be able to draw pass interference but he can't even do that anymore it's he's it's been just a odd because he was good his, his rookie season but he was awesome ever yeah. since Ever since then, he was he wasn't very good last year, and this year it looks like it's going to be the same. And not only that, he might not even be the second guy anymore if if Pickens. George Pickens, yeah. As soon as Kenny Pickett came into the game, he like really stepped up. So your uh, rookie of the year prediction wasn't looking that great, but no. Pickett Pickett taking over might help him out. I mean, he my real have, answer was first of many hundred yards. My real answer would have been a Lave, but I just 
just for the narrative of Patriots whiffing on another guy, I decided to go with Pickens. <laughs> but but yeah. no, it makes sense. It, st- it still could happen, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you definitely started off in a hole. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, going forward, it's just see what you have in Pickett at this point. See what you have in Pickens. You know, see if the defense can look better with T.J. Watt coming back out there, and you know, hope the offensive line continues to develop. And you realize that some of these guys are, you know, part of the future. I don't think the offensive line has been as terrible as some people expected. It hasn't been great by any stretch, but you know, they've they've been good enough that you know the offense has had times to make plays. And I think that Kenny Pickett is. You know, he's going to take more chances than Trubisky had. At this point, you're not going to go backwards, barring an injury. So, uh, you know, that that one throw that Pickett made to Pat Fryermuth when Quinn and Williams was coming in on him, ready to sack him, and he stayed poised in the pocket, delivered it, first down, and ultimately set up a, his second rushing touchdown of the game. Two rushing and, touchdowns in one half. Pretty good. Yeah, and as soon as he got hit, he comes up smiling, like, you know, talking to the Jets player, saying, hey, good good play there, good hit. So I think that Pickett's confidence is right where it needs to be. So I'm hoping he can maybe surprise some people, but and two, two the Steelers of- have the weapons. Like, you know, if, if they can find a way to take advantage of them, I still think Matt Canada is a big part of the problem, and the offense won't be fully figured out until he's gone, but I don't know. I'm you trying got, to be guys, optimistic about guys, this team, uh, but it's hard. When I say you guys, I mean Steelers fans. You guys, uh, you guys hate that guy. <laughs> Everyone hates Matt Canada. Yeah, if you try to make excuses for him, you just get flamed online because people want nothing to do with the guy. And I, you know, I think that Canada and Trubisky were both part of the problem. It's hard to say one more than the other, but you know, we can at least move on from one of those pieces by inserting Pickett and you know seeing if he can be that next franchise quarterback for the Steelers. So, yeah, tough schedule coming up. Uh, you know, I'll I'll continue to support the team and watch the games, but it's it's not going to be as fun as I thought it would be when the season started. And uh, I don't know if watching the Patriots is all that more fun right now. They did take the Packers to overtime. It was a, a more entertaining game than, you know, Vegas and a lot of people expected. I but... actually thought it would be. I'm not even joking when I'm saying this. I'm not. I, I swear. I, I, I actually thought it would be. A one-score game, not not exactly how I thought it would go, though. With Brian Hoyer getting hurt, and then Bailey Zappi, don't worry, be Zappi coming into the game and actually producing as much as he could. But he held his own out there. He did. He did. He looked, he, he looked uh, pretty good for a you know third-string rookie quarterback who went to a directional school. And and frankly, I I, I it looks like Mac Jones is gonna he's not gonna play Week Five either. And I I would like to see. Zappy out there again, just just for the thrill. I'm I'm not. I don't know what to expect. Uh, again, he did hold 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 his own on uh, Sunday. Just given the spot, not even not expecting to be out there. First career game at Lambeau <laughs> versus Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, like, right. It's kind I of mean, a that, tough spot when you fact uh, when you factor that in. But yeah, he did he did what he could, and he it was really just don't make any mistakes. And yeah, he. Yeah, I think for the he most had, part, I think he had like ninety nine passing sh- yards. Yeah, but, yeah, ninety nine so, passing yards. But he had his first career touchdown and made it a close game. It shouldn't and, have counted, but it's still a good ball. True, yeah, given. it was clearly a delay of game to the point where the the clock changed to forty, <laughs> where it actually restarted. <laughs> yeah, it was a clear. Yeah, delay the, game. what's funny is that when that happened, they were showing the replay of the delay of game and the clock hitting zero and then restarting, and then they show the uh-huh. refs talking, and you see the head refs just going like. 
oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the officials were really bad in oh this Oh, my game. God. They like, were there, there was a lot. They were lot so, of things so that bad. Val- Valchek took his, his headset and just chucked was, it to the ground. Yeah, he was very upset with them. Yeah. Um, just not understand. It was just like why they were making play clock decisions. It was and, uh, it was not a well ref game. And it honestly favored on that play alone. It, it probably favored the Patriots more than the Packers in that game. But... No, the reason why I, I thought it'd be close is just because I just I don't think Green Bay is very good. I, I I don't I, okay they have three wins this year, but their first wins to, you know it's against the Bears. So I know they're two and two, but they they're they're so bad. And then, <laughs> yeah. then their are next one the came Bucks. against Tampa, but like Tampa didn't have Evans, Godwin, or Julio, or uh, I mean they, they didn't have barely anyone to throw to in that game, and I figured that'd be a low scoring game with them winning. And then they face the Patriots, who are just not nearly the same team as they used to be. And the fact that they're, I don't know, the, the fact that they had to squeak it out of a game like that. and It's alarming for the Packers, yeah. to say the least. Honestly, I, I don't know if I would say I thought it would be a blowout. I think that just the fact that came down to literally the last second of the game is what surprised uh, me. Yeah, I was not expecting That's that. That's how I should have phrased it. Is that 24 points in regulation was probably what I expected from the Packers. I thought the Patriots, with Brian Hoyer starting against the Packers' defense, would be lucky to get double digits. I did not have high expectations of the Patriots' offense. And I think when Brian Hoyer went down and Bailey Zappi came in, it was like, oh, well, maybe Zappi could actually do something. Maybe it- because I have seen enough Brian Hoyer to know who he is as a quarterback i should rephrase that like i was thinking like a 17 to 10 game and and yeah no and that makes so sense you thought a, a that one possession game but score. i did not expect uh-huh. like you said uh, all these uh touchdowns and actually being a 27 24 game coming down to uh-huh. literally the last second of the game in overtime yeah and so yep. yeah and it, one of the touchdowns was a pick six and i think that was just a horrible ball by aaron Rodgers. and he, he played like crap in that first half it's like he it didn't was even care really bad oh i know i'm watching it just he seemed disinterested out there and that was one of my concerns with him coming into the season oh yeah he and, that no like that's a big concern is that when there there aren't great weapons on offense after aaron jones and aj dillon i mean Romeo Romeo dubs or dobbs whatever however he's you stepped up as he, a rookie he's, yeah. he's been he's been solid to start the year but Christian You're counting Watson on him as your number one guy. Yeah, and Christian Watson had <laughs> yeah. a touchdown, but I, I swear, I swear, all they do is put that guy in motion and never throw to him. <laughs> uh-huh. They have five wide receiver three and wide receiver fours on their oh, team. Yeah. I don't even know if they have a wide receiver two. Like Alan Lazard, maybe. Yeah, is a wide Lazard two, maybe but... is a two at best. No, I don't even. I don't yeah. even know if that's even. No, <laughs> I think that Dubs and Watson have potential to get there. But their expectations have to be low as rookies. Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins. I mean, those, those guys, guys are, are veterans at the end of their career. <laughs> they're dust at this point. <laughs> yeah, Cobb Cobb did make some plays on this one. He's still kind of old, reliable for Aaron. Yeah, but but, but know, then in uh, capacity. But then death taxes and Sammy Watkins going on IR was kind of a given. Yeah, right. Uh huh. Yeah, I will say that as you know, disappointing as a Trubisky signing has gone down, I'm still happy that the Steelers paid him 15 million instead of signing Aaron Rod- trading for Aaron Rodgers and signing him to the crazy contract the Packers gave him because that that does not look good right now. I don't no, know how easy it'll be for the Packers well, to get out of it unless well, the he retires. Steelers have better wep- would, would have better weapons they would have around Rodgers yeah. so maybe it would look worse offensive better. line better weapons yeah it would look but, better in in Pittsburgh than Green but I don't know yeah it's just four year 200 million dollar yeah. deal right? Like, I don't even know if he plays out that entire deal in, 
in Green Bay. I'd be surprised. Yeah, I I don't know. I'm I'm not ready to give up on the Packers <laughs> in terms of their like contention status, but they've they have not been a fun team to watch. No, I games. I know they're three and one, and they'll probably be a playoff team just given how weak the most of the NFC is. But I don't I don't uh, have any. I I don't I don't like them at all as a contender. I mean, every time they've been a contender these past few years, they end up blowing it, and now they... Yeah, I know, that's the one thing, is that they're contender by definition, but the playoffs, you know, things always end horribly for them. But, but. I agree with you on Rodgers, though, and his... Uh, he 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 always has that look on his face anytime something goes wrong, and, and mm-hmm. I'll admit I'm biased, because Brady does the exact same thing, too, but it's just... He's so, he's so talented. He has a such a great skill set as a quarterback, but just never wins. And yeah, he 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 seems super disinterested in that first half. And yeah, good for them that they won the game. But again, they almost lost to Bailey Zappi, a third string quarterback in his mm-hmm. rookie season. But yeah, but hey, for the Patriots though, look, they're not going to be great this year. They very likely won't make the playoffs. But I think even I I hate I hate being the moral victory guy, but. It was definitely but, a moral victory. But yeah, but yes, like I can't I help it. but say it kind of uh, was. And they have uh, an easy schedule coming up. They do. Yeah, the next, next six games. weeks. They got the, they got the Lions who, look, the Lions are a cool story with Hard They're Knocks like, and Dan the Man, uh, ACD, uh, MCDC as their head coach, Dan Campbell. He's awesome. I don't care what anyone says, but yeah, that, that defense sucks. <laughs> they, they might have, have the, the best one offense and the worst defense the number 32 yeah. scoring defense. <laughs> Yeah, so it's been uh, no. It, they play fun games, oh, that's for sure. Yeah, it's, it's definitely yeah. That it's definitely that Lions Seahawks game was entertaining. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, so that will certainly be interesting next week. I think they should win. I know if it, even if it's whether it's Hoyer or Zappy, I really think they should beat Detroit, just given how bad that defense is. Yeah, I mean that will be an interesting one that, because that I be think that the Lions. I don't think the Lions will score forty-five points against the Patriots, but but they do get. I a, do. They'll very likely have a Monra back. And uh-huh. they're their num- clear number one receiver, who they even though yes they scored all these points. Uh, they last yeah, week. they didn't need him. It didn't matter who Jared Goff was throwing to. <laughs> yeah, Jared Goff all of a sudden is looking like uh, like Joe Montana out there. <laughs> yeah, like he might actually be the franchise. He might actually Detroit, be the but... the the winner of that trade. <laughs> Obviously, oh not, yeah, like, I mean, a Super Bowl, but. Uh, long term, maybe you know that one one year, but yeah, after that, the Browns in Cleveland, and then they got they've the been all over they the got place. The Bears, Bears. Like on Monday Night Football, and then the, they got the Jets, and then the Colts. Uh, I, I'm I'm probably gonna have to take my L on the Colts. They suck. <laughs> <laughs> so they got an then, easy schedule coming. Yeah, up. So, and they play the Jets again coming off a of bye. Yeah, so and so that's. But the, then they have the long long stretch of primetime games against actual playoff teams so the end of the season could be tough but they could at least get some wins and maybe put themselves in position to feel good right going into that brutal stretch even though i had them out of the playoff picture coming into the year i saw a similar outlook uh, uh from for this year compared to last year where they would get off to a bad start and then it's it's not looking good and they're probably not going to do anything but then all of a sudden they start winning all these games and they they were a mm-hmm. one seed at one point last yeah, year yeah they won seven straight last year it's a similar thing going up against schedule that had a handful of decent teams and a lot of bad teams and that's really what you're and looking at here i don't that. think they'll go 6 and 0 but it's not impossible for them to win all right. those games and then and then all of a sudden december they were starting to play real competition and then they yeah, got their and ass the wheels came off in the playoffs yep. and so i can see a stretch 
and, and the, the stretch coming up in these next half dozen games where, uh, again, they probably won't go 6-0, and but I can see them going 4-2, and and then they all of a sudden they, they have a near 500 record, and they're, they make the, the season interesting. I don't think they'll make yeah, the playoffs. And that's, that's all I want. Yeah, that's all I'd that, want from the that's Steelers. That's kind of what so, I'm asking like, for. I get it. Just Patriots. make football interesting in December. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I've seen the Steelers start 2-6 and six and be in it until week 17. So and The Dolphins before that Thursday night game, they I think they won like, what, like 10 out of 11 games or something dating back to last season? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Because yeah, they, they finished, <laughs> they started 1-7 and seven and finished 9-8, and eight, yeah. so. I don't know the exact number, but they, they won several games, uh, like, they were the first team to ever have a seven-game losing streak followed by a seven-game winning right. streak. So, yeah, I mean, it's not impossible. Yeah, so that's all I'm asking for yeah. is just make the make it interesting. Win, win, have a winning record in these next half dozen games. Just given how easy the schedule mm-hmm. is looking right now. Yeah, I mean, if they come out of this six-game stretch, you know, one and three now, three and seven, then yeah, I mean, at that coming point, into, things are not good. Coming into week two versus Pittsburgh. I I said it was a must win game, and not just speak, not just. I'm not, I'm not saying that win loss records wise, but just to to boost the morale of it or show that it can be a season and not a waste. Yeah, especially one. with a and, tough schedule and, coming. And up. that's how I feel about this game coming up versus Detroit. Is that mm-hmm. I know Detroit is a fun story, and they're on the rise a little bit with some of the talent that they have, but it's still a really beatable team. Uh, yeah, especially at home. And, and at so, home, right. And Matt Patricia revenge game. <laughs> <laughs> you could say it's a revenge game for the other pl- the players on Detroit, yeah, though. The Lions. Oh, if Darius Slay was still in Detroit, oh, you just, you know uh, you'd ball out. <laughs> one of my favorite yeah. things was still, uh, he was asked one time in an interview, when like now that he's in Philly, he was asked uh, b- before game versus Detroit, like, uh, is this a revenge game for you? Or like, are you looking to beat th- those guys? Like... Uh, now that Patricia's not there, not really. <laughs> like, he, like he said, <laughs> if, if Matt Patricia was still there, then like, yeah, I'm going to come out. I'm motivated. Uh, but like, yeah, now that Matt, Matt Patricia's not there, like now. They're, they're just another team. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I love that. That is, Cause, that cause, is funny. Look, Dan Campbell's not, probably not the the smartest head coach, but he's the complete opposite of Matt Patricia, which is oh yeah, which is a positive yeah. for them. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh-huh. So yeah, it's a, it's a game I'm looking forward to for sure. Even if yeah, they're not, no, it should be an interesting one. I think, yeah, I I agree. It should be an interesting one. A lot of interesting games coming up for the Patriots. So we'll see if they can uh, start <laughs> getting some wins. You know, they're more than just moral. But let's move on now. Play a little factor fiction. You know, we're gonna continue a trend that we started last week, where we talk about other games segment style as opposed to trying to react to individual ones. So, um, let's start off by talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. And coming into the season, there are some question marks after Tyreek Hill was traded to the Dolphins. And week one, they kind of turned out down some of those uh, concerns a little by putting on a show against the Arizona yeah, Cardinals. They played the Cardinals, but- who suck, but. They did spread the ball around, and Mahomes had five touchdowns. So yeah, and you know things were like okay, looking pretty good. But then week three, they end up going out and losing to the Colts twenty to seventeen, and all of a sudden those questions came back. But in week four, Sunday Night Football, going up against Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the Chiefs took a seven nothing lead in the first minute of the game, never looked back, leading by double digits pretty much the entire way. 
So, to start things off, fact or fiction, the Chiefs are still the team to beat in the AFC. This is a tough question because I think it's pretty obvious that it comes down to two teams for this question. If if this question were worded AFC West, then I would say yes, absolutely. And obviously, I was super high on the Chargers. I still kind of am, but at the same time, they have a lot of injuries that they're injuries dealing with. Injuries are a problem and right now. They're looking like the second best team and not the best, like I imagined. But so if it were if it were worded AFC West, absolutely. But it's either the Chiefs or Bills, right? I, I think I think yeah. I think no, I agree. With I think that. it's between those two teams. So I'm kind of nitpicking because. They are the clear top two, maybe not record wise, but but uh, because there are other good teams right now, win win loss wise. But I think these are the clear tier one elite teams in the AFC. I guess I'll say yes, just because the Bills' playoff history, especially versus this team, uh, like they have they can't win close games. Well, I know they beat Baltimore, uh, but I don't know, just. Bill's history of in close games, playoff games, it hasn't gone their way. And Mahomes in Kansas City, they've been the two Super Bowls in the Mahomes era. And even without Tyree Kill, they still look great. And yeah, like even though Juju and MVS and Skymore, like all of them haven't done anything. The fact that they haven't really done anything and they're scoring all these points uh, with Kelsey and Clyde Edwards Alaire, all Every of a sudden, I don't want to say he's end, yeah. worth the thirty-second pick and picking him over Swift and Jonathan Taylor and others, but he's scoring all these touchdowns. He went from never scoring to scoring all the touchdowns. Just, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, he's uh, he's he's definitely been awesome. He's for definitely been good. Owners, uh, I don't know how sustainable it is, but uh, the fact that he looks like a NFL starting caliber running back is definitely good for Kansas City. And then. Yeah, that for whatever reason they lost to the Colts, <laughs> fluke game for both teams. Uh, other than that, like they've looked dominant, and I guess I'll say yes, but it's between those two. I don't know how to. I, I'm kind of hoping that you can help me between these <laughs> two because it's so I make. yeah. So I am still going to say fact that the Chiefs are the team to beat. Uh, coming into the season, I thought they were the team to beat in the AFC West. Certainly have not wavered on that, especially after they beat the Chargers in Week 2. But I did believe the Bills were the new team in the AFC. Uh, Chiefs had hosted four straight AFC Championship games, two Super Bowl appearances in those four seasons. But it felt like it was Buffalo's time, that they were a more complete football team, ready to take the next step. And through two weeks, that looked pretty good. But the past two weeks... Losing to the Dolphins, despite running 90 plays, dominating time of possession. I know that the Bills had some injuries in the secondary, but I think that was an alarming loss. And this past week in Baltimore, they got off to a really slow start. And yes, they ended up pulling a comeback victory, but I think that game was almost as much about the Ravens losing as it was the Bills winning. To me, recency bias, you know, I think that I wasn't overly concerned about the Chiefs' loss to the Colts because they've lost games like that in the past and still have had a dominant team and uh the fact that they went out into tampa playing a bucks defense that you know i know the offense had its struggles but the bucks no, the defense bucks allowed defense a total awesome. of 27 points through three games the chiefs scored 28 in the first half i to me the the chiefs are the team they play the bills in week six in arrowhead so coming up pretty soon right. if the bills go in arrowhead and win that game then yeah i'll be like okay yes no it is the bills i was that you know no, that, swayed that, a little too early but that win I was more right impressive now than, bu- than Buffalo's just because, okay, this is the, the location and the team that they lost to in Super Bowl 55. And 
the Bucks are coming off a loss too, so they're just as motivated to turn uh-huh. things around and they're get they're getting their weapons back because like yeah, they had all those guys. Mike Evans have, came back. They didn't have some of those weapons, and yes, they did well offensively, but and it was only a ten point game. Uh, but if you watch that game, Kansas City had it was clear that they were going to win that game. Yeah, I think this this game just proved that the Chiefs can still be dominant. I think last year they got off to a slow start and then they went into Las Vegas on a Sunday night and scored like 48 points or something crazy and started to turn their season around from there. So, you know, this just kind of shows that in those big moments, this team can step up and I expect them to continue to play well. I think they will have games like the Colts week where they don't look as good on offense and they maybe squander a game against a team that's decent, but you know, not in the same league as them in a vacuum. But overall, I think that the Chiefs, you know, I know they lost to the Bengals in the AFC Championship game last year, but it still feels like they're the team until someone really knocks them out. And I think the Bills are the most likely team to do that. But I'm I'm still, I'm putting Kansas City above want, Buffalo right now. You want now. to know another thing to factor? Everyone and their mom picked Buffalo to win the Super Bowl this year. There's all oh, these yeah. expectations like, oh, this is finally the year Buffalo is uh-huh. is going to break through and win that first Super Bowl. So, like, everyone is on the Bills train. And then when it comes to Kansas City, okay, Tyreek Hill is gone in Miami. He's talking about how great Tua is. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sure he's talking about his ass and, and just trying to support his guy. But he's talking about how, like, Tua is so much better as a, accuracy-wise mm-hmm. than Mahomes. And, and, and then the Chiefs, last year they lost – they lost in the Super Bowl versus the Bucks two years ago, and then last year they lost in the AFC Championship game. And now everyone's probably questioning, like, "Hey, hey, like you guys aren't that next dynasty. Like you only have one." And I'm, I'm pro. I like to think that there's the outside noise maybe is motivating uh, the Chiefs a little bit. I don't know. No, I could definitely see that being a factor. And you know, beyond just the Bills, like you know, the Chargers are the media darling. Right? So many people are high on and then them. Russell and, Wilson, you know, the going Broncos, to Denver. and yeah. Uh-huh. And then, and then you see all the moves that Las Vegas made as well coming the year. So a lot of the shine was going away from Casey and going on to other teams, and not just in their division, but Buffalo and other teams as well. And so, yeah, <laughs> yes, no, I, yes, I I think that we're on a similar page here when it comes to the Chiefs. I'll but, admit, you know, I, I do kind of want to see how the played. year more more yeah, no, goes and how that the uh-huh. their game between each other will go but uh yeah that that win was very i will say that win versus tampa yes tampa has their issues but the fact look the, the chiefs have an elite how offense, they did it but the fact yep. that they scored that many points versus that defense is yep. what really sells me on them as a team to oh beat. for sure mm-hmm. all right so the next one uh there is only one team left that is undefeated at 4-0, and and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. So there are some questions about this team coming in the year. I think a lot of people were really high on them, but uh, there's some uncertainty with quarterback Jalen Hurts and maybe some of the other pieces, how everything would come together. But at 4-0, and I think a lot of people are really starting to buy into them. And we've talked about the NFC maybe being a weaker conference. Maybe some of the teams that we expected to be great have gone off to slow starts. So that being said... Factor fiction, the undefeated Eagles are the new favorites in the NFC. Fact. Definitely fact. I, I know they struggled in the beginning of that Jags game, but they turned it around and won, and they look great this year. I'm def- I've, Coming into the year, I was definitely buying into their team success for this year, and I feel 
just as good about that now as I did coming into the season. And yeah, so they look great on both sides of the ball. Jalen Hurts looks like a MVP candidate, and he's doing it with not just his legs, but his arm as well. And it's huge for them that they added A.J. Brown. because now they got two guys that they could rely on throwing the ball in, in him and Devontae, but then also Goddard as well. And Miles Sanders is finally scoring touchdowns. <laughs> so, And then they got the best. Every Eagles running back oh, is yeah. finding ways in the end zone. <laughs> if it's Boston Scott or Gainwell or Sanders. Well, Sanders didn't score at all last year, but yeah, it, uh-huh. they're definitely running the ball well. And they got a great offensive line and added pieces on their defense. And they got elite players, uh, elite veterans on their defense. So, yeah, I, I like their team a ton this year. I think they have a legitimate shot at coming out of the NFC and maybe even win the Super Bowl. And then, so I, I like them. Uh, it's not just that I like them, but yeah, just looking at the rest of the NFC, I'm just not, I can, I, I'm not super high on honestly any of them. It's just that, okay, the Niners, their defense looks great, but they're two and two and, who knows how they look offensively with with Jimmy again? But I still think they'll be good, and and I still think they'll win the division because the Rams oh, yesterday the Rams they don't look. I know they're two and no, two, but that... it's just like it's it's Cup and then everyone else. <laughs> it feels like yeah. Cup had fourteen yeah, catches I mean, they... yesterday, and 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 okay, Higby's good, but after the after Alan that, Robinson like, has been a disappointment. Run, they can't run the ball at all. No running game. Allen yep. Robinson still stinks. Uh, no matter what team he's on, he's still not producing. And then, yeah, their defense. Okay, yeah, they still have Aaron Donald, but, but uh, the great at tackling streakers, streakers, terrible at yeah. Bobby Wagner, uh, great hit on that the, <laughs> the guy, you know, running on the field. I, that was a great hit. I kind of wish he hit him harder, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, definitely a yeah. good play by him. But that was kind of like the highlight for the Rams yesterday. Uh, unless if you yeah, have a couple I, on your fantasy team. Yeah, it probably team. was. <laughs> <laughs> like, because, uh, uh, yeah, St- Stafford, is, he's been turning the ball over a ton uh, in their losses. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to blame it on him because their line didn't protect them at all yesterday. And, yeah. I, I, no, and I, I thought the line was going to be a bit of a question, especially, um, you know, following the retirement of Andrew Whitworth. But, yeah. I mean, the Rams, and then, Rams have been a disappointment. And then, you know what? I, I don't, I don't, I don't like Jalen Ramsey. I, I, I know he's in a good <laughs> corner, but if he's the best corner in the league, then our the corners in the league suck. Then because he, he's been getting shredded these past few games and dating back to last season uh, in the playoffs. And feels like he gets just embarrassed more than any great cornerback. Oh, yeah, ever. I, I, <laughs> I, I swear, like it was uh, Mike Evans. He, he destroyed him in that playoff game, and then uh-huh. you know, T Higgins. Uh, was beating him in the Super Bowl, and then Jamar Chase would have had a long touchdown if if Burrow had more time on that last play, and then and then yeah, coming and then this season, yeah, he got shredded by Josh Allen, which I'm sure Josh Allen heard what he had to say about him uh, early in his career, so I'm sure he had he had notes or receipts on that and was motivated to beat him, and yeah, yeah, so Ramsey's been getting shredded uh, for a while now. And then so so yeah, and then looking at other teams, yeah, I already talked about the Packers. How I'm not really super high on them as a contender. Yes, they'll probably again make the playoffs still. And then yeah, Minnesota, I'm high on, but just in the division, I, I don't. I, the I, Eagles I, already beat them twenty four seven. Yeah, the, 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 yeah they'll, they'll beat up on easy teams, but you'll see in a game 
like the one they had on Monday Night versus the Eagles, where it's a prime time spot against an actual team, they're gonna look like how they did <laughs> versus Philly, where they barely show up. And and then looking at the NFC South, the only team to worry about is Tampa. And I've already talked about how yes, I still think Tampa is a contending team, but they have their issues, no doubt. Their their defense just got shredded by the Chiefs, and yes. Yes, the Chiefs have an elite offense, but for them to win, they gotta they gotta beat teams like that. Beat teams that have offenses like that. So yes, they can beat up on teams like, you know, Jameis Winston at quarterback, who's a turnover machine, which is which is so good for them that they can win games like that. But I don't know. Like <laughs> maybe 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 they just got exposed. Like yes, they've been awesome, but maybe they just maybe they're not as good as I thought they were, and maybe they finally got exposed by an actual offense and and then when it comes to the other side of the ball for Tampa yeah they got their weapons back which is good but uh I don't know how you can count on them like health wise because Godwin he's still banged up even though he finally came back again he's a warrior but I don't know how they can count on him to be stay healthy and then Julio <laughs> I mean he looked good in week one but then he got hurt again and I can't imagine him staying healthy all year and then you know, Fournette, he's playing, but they literally have... I mean, Rashad White finally started getting some playing time, but they've been going to Fournette a lot. <laughs> and I don't know uh-huh. how sustainable that is for him to have as much, many touches as he's had to begin the year and to keep that production up all season long. And then and they don't have Gronk anymore. And I, I don't know if he'll... I don't think he'll come back, so... I don't think he is at this point. And then I talked about how their O-line is definitely going to take a step back with the amount of injuries and losses that they've had. And you, the Brady-Giselle rumors, uh, that's definitely confirmed now because uh, Brady's yeah, having a divorce lawyer. All, and yeah, Giselle's that's all hey, maybe that might now. turn things around. Like, oh, I'm finally yeah, now free. Now just can focus on <laughs> I can just yeah, focus I mean, on I mean, I can't imagine that the divorce... The you know, the divorce process is something that is uh, not going to be a distraction just as much as... No, he's had else, you know. He's had terrible body language all year, and even dating back to last end of last season, uh, he hasn't he hasn't shown that same fire and uh, pat. Well, I don't know. Like, he, yeah, there's definitely definitely something going on with him, and it's kind of confirmed now uh, with uh with the divorce news. Mm-hmm. And so. Those are like all the other contending teams in the NFC. I'm sorry, I just went on a long rant about, <laughs> yeah. about you just asked a simple question. I should have just said yes, but No, and I get it. Like you kinda have to preface some. You did that for me. I initially wanted to say fiction. Um, you know, when I first created this question just because of how weak their schedule has been. But you can only play who the NFL schedules for you, and they have looked better against that schedule than any other team. Uh, you know, on both sides of the ball overall, Eagles seem like the most complete team in the NFC right now. And I think that there are opportunities for some of those established powerhouses to get things going down the stretch. But right now, I look at the Eagles and I look at their upcoming schedule, and it doesn't really get that much harder. I mean, their game this week in Arizona. Might be their toughest. They play the Packers at home on Sunday night football, but they still play five games against the NFC East, which, you know, we'll see. I think that, you know, Dallas and the Giants have been better than expected at this point, but I, I don't know how much of that is on them being like really great teams. Yeah, and they, they also play like 
the Giants, the have, Saints, the Steelers, the Bears, you know, the the Colts, Titans. So the, 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 they have some the Giants schedule opportunities to win games. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it it yes, it has been <laughs> for sure. So so I, I think that. I think overall the Eagles are, are in the driver's seat to get that one seed. You know, continue to play in this strong football. They're probably going to win 13 games at least if they keep playing like this. You know, I'm sure they'll find some losses here and there, but if they do end up as a one seed, then I think it's going to be tough for teams to go into Philly and try to pull out a win. I mean, we saw what they were able to do in 2017 with Nick Foles as a quarterback, and I think that this Eagles team with Jalen Hurts is just as good, if not better, than that team. So yeah, <laughs> that was like a, the short I'm way de- of saying yeah. it. <laughs> I'm definitely going fact uh, uh, for this question. I'm definitely not changing my mind for for now. All just, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the next one. Uh, so the Cowboys, when they lost to the Bucks in Week One, you and I are both quick to say season's over. They lost Dak Prescott. Their offense is a mess. Sorry, Mike McCarthy, your time is up. Well, Cooper Rush has come in, and all he's done is win three games, beating the Bengals, Giants in Monday Night Football, and most recently the Washington Commanders. And the offense hasn't been elite by any stretch, but it's been good enough. Rush has protected the ball, thrown touchdown passes, and Dallas all of a sudden has a quarterback controversy, according to owner Jerry Jones. Now, I think that a lot of people were kind of quick to dismiss the idea that Rush would remain the starter, even if Dak Prescott is healthy, but... Given Rush's play the past few weeks, fact or fiction, Jerry Jones isn't crazy for saying the Cowboys have said quarterback competition. So before I answer that question, what I will say about Dallas is that their defense has definitely stepped up and is much better than I gave them credit for. And then and then offensively with Cooper Rush, even though I, I stand by and uh, saying that their season was over, uh, I will say that Cooper Rush is a capable quarterback. He sh- he showed last year when Dak was hurt with that calf injury that on prime time versus Minnesota on the road Sunday night he he came out and led them led a comeback and won that game for Dallas. And so even though they're going to a backup quarterback, Cooper Rush is a capable quarterback. And but with that being said, this answer might surprise you. Uh, Jerry Jones isn't crazy for saying the Cow- Cowboys have a quarterback competition. I'm actually gonna go fact. And the reason why is because I just think uh, so. Dak is definitely better than Cooper Rush, but I think it's kind of like a motivational tactic. Like, oh, we actually uh, we might have a com- quarterback controversy, you know, because or competition because uh, you know Cooper Rush is winning all these games, and Dak in his one game he was not good, and it's to motivate Dak. I think I think it's just a good way to motivate the the starting quarterback, even even though he's clearly the guy. I just think it's a a good motivational tactic. That's just me. It's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. So um. <laughs> not just saying like, oh, Cooper Rush is definitely better than Dak, but he is a capable quarterback who is definitely a winner and and he's 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 definitely one of the better backups in the league. Uh, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think he's proven that he is a very capable backup. You know, that being said, I do think it's fiction. I think that Dak Prescott has a higher ceiling, but that that is a good argument that he's just trying to motivate Dak. You know, who knows what's going on in the crazy world of you know Jerry Jones? But ultimately, I think Cooper Rush has been good enough to lead the Cowboys some victories, but they haven't done it against the greatest of competition. You know, the Bengals are still a good football team, but their offense 
was really sputtering to start the year. So, you know, good on Cooper Rush leading a touchdown drive, or I guess a game-winning field goal drive. But Giants, not a great football team. Commander's not a great football team. Yeah, he's he's done enough to kind of hold his own, but it's still... Okay, he did exactly what you want him to do. I think he's given life to the Cowboys, but Dak Prescott's going to come in, and now all of a sudden this team that was easy to write off, I think that they're very much a playoff contender still. And we'll see how things go when... You know, Mike McCarthy gets in this team's way because it's inevitable it's going to happen. We already saw him almost I, try I still to give away that, that money I don't care if, the Giants. I don't but. care if that they turn things around and, hey, if, if they make the playoffs, great. But that that for me won't change, like take him seriously as a playoff contender. <laughs> I, I could yeah, just no, totally I see think... them having a, you know, 10-7 and seven record or whatever at the end of the year. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, everyone wrote us off at week one. No one gave us a chance. Blah, blah, blah. We're on a mission. Blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden they lay an egg in the in the wild card round. <laughs> yeah, and I, I do think something like that would happen. But, you know, ultimately, I think that the Cowboys have looked much better. You know, they their toughest game to this point was that game against Tampa, really great defense. And I think that, you know, Dak Prescott, maybe he'll be motivated to put it together. But ultimately, yeah, Dak actually, is the so guy for this That's team. why I'm going fact, though. To, so if he uh-huh. actually believed this, <laughs> then I would say, yeah. it's like, yeah, you're crazy. Uh-huh. But I, I'm going fact just because I think it's just a – just a mo- just a motivational tactic. No, and I get that. Uh-huh. I like having something that we can at least kind of have a little nuance and disagreement on. So, but yeah, I mean, I think I I understand your point. I think it's a good way to look yeah. at it. All right, so the last one here, the Carolina Panthers uh, entered the season with their head coach Matt Rule on the hot seat, hoping that maybe they can salvage things with a Baker Mayfield taking over as quarterback, Christian McCaffrey hopefully getting healthy. And things have not looked any better than the team that lost seven in a row last year. They're off to a one and three start. And there is a big call among the Panthers fan base to move on from their head coach. So fact or fiction, it is time for the Panthers to move on from Matt Rule. So for... These four questions, I didn't have a strong stance on the first one, but I ultimately went with fact. The second one and the third one, I went with fact. And that's not going to change. <laughs> I'm going to go with fact for this one. I'm not going <laughs> to pick fiction for any of them. Uh, this is a definite fact. They should move on from him. It has not worked out. And I don't see it going. I don't see it getting any better. So just cut the ties right now. Just <laughs> It's not looking good for Carolina, which... Uh, I'm sure many people expected, but uh, it's honestly it's probably looked worse than I thought it would be. <laughs> it's been like, it's I thought, been I thought so they'd bad. at least beat. Yes, the Giants are three and one, but I thought like they're, I don't know, like they're probably not as good as their record, and I thought they could at least beat them. Uh, on their I own. thought the Browns week one, you know, yeah, the Baker Browns week one motivational game, revenge, clear revenge game for Baker, and yes, it took a 58 yard field goal to to beat them, but the fact that they were in that position, uh in a close game in a, in a clear revenge game for it, Baker. I don't know. Like I thought, I think they should have won that game. I, I do too. I don't know. And I'm not saying me, they're better is, than Cleveland, but just factoring in. There's, there's a lot of reasons to think that the Panthers could have won any of the four games they played and, and they the, didn't win yeah, because the they're Cardinals, just a bad football the team. Aren't, 
No, that that game was not fun to watch, and you know I, that, I had that it, game was I, just I who can out suck the other, right? Or like who which who can suck yes, less exactly. than the other team? Kind of like the Patriots and Steelers the, when our team's facing week two. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, just not as explosive offenses, but uh, <laughs> but that game I, I I watched a chunk of that game, and that really was uh, just who can suck less in that game, and yeah, that yeah, I mean. It's it's fact. Matt Rule has to go. It's disappointing to say because I really like the tire. I saw him turn around Temple. I saw him turn around Baylor. I thought he could do that with the Panthers. And this team is one in twenty six when the opponent scores just seventeen or more points. Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> this team has been horrendous, and there's no reason to keep him around at this point. Like if you fire Ron Rivera mid season, you can fire Matt Rule mid season, and I think that. Rule wants to hope he can last long enough to pull a Bobby Petrino and take the Nebraska job or the Wisconsin job or whoever offers him because I think he's going to end up back in the college coaching ranks and hoping to work his magic there, but he's just not cut out to be an NFL head coach. This team is a mess. They can't switch from Baker right now because Sam Darnold is hurt and Matt Corral is hurt, so they're just not really heading in the right direction. I don't know if firing him immediately would really change anything for this team, but ultimately they they shouldn't be keeping him around at this point. It's just a bad product to watch. The Charlotte local newspaper is saying don't even bother watching the Panthers on Sunday. Find a hobby. Like it is <laughs> it is just really yeah. sad like how bad this football they're team They're kind is of an irrelevant team too. Like not I, Yeah, oh they absolutely Do people care about the Panthers there? They they definitely do. Like I definitely know a lot of Panthers fans. Like they're they they only had the Packers Patriots game on at the bar that we were at in the night and some fans walked in and said, Can you get the Panthers game on TV? Okay. And immediately the guy was like, I don't know if we can even get him on TV here. They they did eventually put it on, so he had to watch it. But you don't know if you can get yeah, him on TV in, in in North Carolina? That's that's uh yeah. that's not good. No, it was yeah. So I um they face the they face the Niners, Rams, and Bucks in their next three games. And yeah, no, yes, things are not going to get all, better for this team. All three of those teams have their issues, but those are all three of those teams. I would definitely take over Carolina. Yeah, um, Ben Ben Carlson's actually going to be at the 49ers Panthers game this oh, week. He's so going to do a lot. I, of cheering I have a feeling he's going to go home happy. That game. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. I mean that Panthers team is a mess right now. So yeah, that that seems like an easy win for honestly all three of them. I think I think all three I think <laughs> Niners, Rams, and Bucks. I think all yeah. three of them should win that game. No, I I totally agree. So, with that, that'll wrap up our football coverage for this week, and we can move on to baseball. And we actually have some breaking news, so we're gonna oh, kind of start this out. Five questions related to MLB, and the first question that we had written down was Yankee slugger Aaron Judge tied the American League record and wow. franchise record of 61 home runs but as of I don't know 20 minutes or so ago he let off his game against the Rangers with a home run is 62nd to officially break the record so I love how timely this is you know we should have done a cut in earlier in the episode to have it side by side podcasting on mute with Aaron Judge and the Yankees broadcast on the right side, like in the college football games. I saw um, I saw a video today where, do you remember the national championship game between USC and Texas? Yeah. With Vince Young. You saw yeah, them do like a cutaway. There was a, a video where Vince Young is running in for the touchdown, and then right before he gets in the end zone, it just cuts off to Aaron Judge just striking out. Yeah, I saw them do that with the kick six. 
Um, I think that a lot of people were not very happy, um, you know, true college football fans who couldn't care less about baseball. Um, so that being said, broke the American League record, 62 home runs. How big of a deal is this? It's kind of a big deal just because it hasn't. the American League record hasn't been broken uh, for so long now. Like, when did Roger Maris? 61 19, years. Is it, 1961, yeah, so, 61 so years 60, ago. I knew he had 60 home runs, but it was actually 1961. Okay, I knew it was. In yes, the, and 61 years later, right. oh, Aaron Judge broke later. it with 62. I definitely heard that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so <laughs> uh, it's been that long since for it took that long for someone to break it. So it's, it's kind of a, kind of a big deal, but I'm not like, I think, I think it would be a much bigger deal if you got to break for me, just me personally. I think it's the, the, I know Barry Bonds is 73 home run record. Like, yeah, he probably was on juice when he, when he broke, when he had that record, but I don't care. I I think fairly common to say more than probably, but yeah, I I think that me personally is the, it would be cooler to, to break that. And me personally, I think it was cooler that Albert hit 700 than that was yeah cool moment. I think, moment mo- I, think in I think most Stadium. people disagree with that, but I think that's a cooler accomplishment to hit 700. Uh, then okay, yeah, like it. I think it's kind of cool, or it's kind of a big deal, but it was also kind of annoying too. This just with all these cutoffs, it, it took way too long. It took way too for long. It to happen. I, I know it's. I don't yes. want to totally blame Aaron Judge because you know there are probably pitchers trying to pitch away from him, and and there's all this attention and pressure. Like you got to break the record. Uh, mm-hmm. So I don't want to totally blame Judge, but I, I I do. I I was annoyed by all the cutoffs, like during whether it's a college football game or an NFL game, or or not NFL game, but like. It was college football yeah, games. Yeah, like mostly college specifically stuff. Specifically, also happening. like just sports center in general. Just like, oh, let's cut off to Aaron Judge and his at bat, and you just see him getting a walk or a strikeout. Yeah, just get like, hit by a pitch. It's like when you're uh-huh. doing that like dozens of times. It's like this is not really like if it were like Barry Bonds trying to break the home run record, like 756. Like, yeah, I think there's all the reason to cut 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 off to his at bat, but like showing Aaron Judge that many times, just trying to break a an American league, not even a whole league, just American league record. When you factor in the amount of time it took and the amount of times I had to watch him walk or strike out or hit a grounder, if I'm leaning towards big, huge, big deal, or just kind of, I'm going with kind of like, it's just kind of whatever for me. So I guess regardless of whether you you know value the the asterisk home run records or you know value american league record versus major league record i think it's a big deal just in that it's made baseball relative for like relevant for the last few months like it or last really the whole season because he hit like 36 home runs in the first half and all of a sudden it's like oh this could be a historic season so i think the fact that it's given baseball enough of a reason to be at the center stage i think that to me is a big deal like it, it's it's been the biggest something to talk about baseball yeah and like last year you had Shohei hotani but he was doing it for an angels team that didn't even finish 500 and the same thing this year yeah, and I, I think the fact that aaron judge is doing it for the yankees and a team that is first place in their division they're going to the playoffs i think that it's a big deal it's something that it makes baseball talked about and I think that's all that baseball can really hope for because that as a league, Major League Baseball is not 
good. Like there are yeah, so many that, problems with it, and they're gonna fix a lot of the issues by uh, banning the shift and instituting the pitch clock. It'll make the game more watchable. But for now, long, I think this is something that you can. It's a long way to go for to make it really relevant, but those are stepping stones at least. Yeah, they'll at least fix the on-field problems. Mm-hmm. You know, they still got to fix the league as a whole and you know make it more accessible to fans. Uh, you know, especially those in smaller markets. But I think that this has been something that's cool. And it's like, you know, it got to the point where I just decided, yeah, I want to see him break the record just to, you know, say that I could see this long record broken, even though it's Aaron Judge for the Yankees. And I know that deep down, part of me loves the idea of Aaron Judge breaking the home run record for the Yankees, and then they flame out in the playoffs, and he signs with, like, the Mets in free agency. That would be hilarious if that happens. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. That could totally happen too. Like all, like all those things <laughs> that he just said. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, no I, that sounds that, great. That point that makes sense. That that it's actually been kind of relevant the sport of baseball because of mm-hmm. this. So I'm not gonna give you this, you know, long ten minute rebuttal. I I, I think that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's gotten people who don't care about baseball talking about baseball, mostly because the you know all the cutaways and stuff, but. I think that, you know, it's it's ultimately it's a good thing for the sport for something like this to happen. So, but I also understand like the idea that he's now the seventh most home runs all time in a single season. Yeah. So. Okay, question number 2, which was more disappointing, the Mets blowing a 10 and a half game lead over the Braves in the NL East or the White Sox missing the playoffs entirely? So, I think it's easy to say the Mets because the Mets collapsing is just something we've gotten used to for them over the past decade and a half. You know, how many times did we see them in September blow huge leads down the stretch that were seemingly insurmountable? So the Mets had a 10 and a half game lead over the Braves on June 1st. At the time, Atlanta was 24 and 27. So since then, they're 72 and 33. That's a 111 win pace. I think it says more about the Braves than the Mets because the Mets over the same time 63 and 44 at 95 win pace. That's really good. So I think it's just, they were just victims of an insanely hot Atlanta Braves team. So to me, the answer is the Chicago White Sox. And I picked them to make the World Series for the season. I know I wasn't alone. They ended up going 80 and 80. And I think the most disappointing part of it is that the AL Central sucks as a division. I mean, the, the Cleveland Guardians won it, but like they're a super young team. They're not all that great. I know it was easy to think Minnesota could maybe rebound after a bad season, but they were still far from a true contender. And Kansas City and Detroit were like hoping to expedite their rebuilds, but this was the White Sox division to win. Like they were very much the only team capable of winning like 95 plus games of this division and should have been right up there with the Astros and the Yankees and other best teams in the American League. And instead, they're irrelevant all year. So to me, you know, I think it also helps that the Mets are still making the playoffs as a wild card. The White Sox missing it entirely with that roster. Just extremely disappointing. So I told you before we started recording that I didn't have a strong take on this question, but thinking about it more. Yeah, I'm also going to go with the White Sox. I remember dating back to, I think, last season, like this was kind of an exciting team or a team to watch with all the, with some of the talent that they have. They have an MVP player on their team, and Tim Anderson's always been a good leadoff hitter. And they have yeah, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, yeah, Yoan Mankata. Like, yeah, I remember him being traded for sale and with other pieces. And they've had 
Yeah. They have guys in their rotation like like Dylan Cease and others and and so Yeah, Jolito. Yeah, and Jolito. Yeah, so they're the White Sox were kind of an up and coming team and I yeah, like the AL Central sucks and they were kind of that <laughs> coming into the year that clear I I, I think that clear cut team to to come out of that division yeah, so they should have been and so for them to miss the playoffs entirely because like the Mets are going to be in the playoffs uh so they might win 100 games still yeah and so, so. Like, I think I think for them like yeah who knows what they'll do in the postseason but they're still in it but the fact the White Sox missed it entirely I think that's I, I yeah I'm gonna go with that for sure yeah, and I guess the one good thing that come out of it is that Tony Larusa is retiring for a second oh, time. Good, so good. <laughs> yeah. they'll at least have a a young manager who can you know hopefully give this team a spark because that that team just seemed very disinterested a lot of the season. Just the attitude wasn't there. So I I think that the White Sox are very much in need of a change, and maybe people will overlook them next year after this disappointing season. But I think that they'll be an easy team to kind of you know, get back into the good graces of depending on how that managerial, managerial hire goes. Weren't they still in the hunt in August too? Like, like, they were still in the hunt because the division was right, terrible. They, that's what I'm saying. They were, like, they were, <laughs> yeah, they were a 500 team. They're the, but. They're the AFC South of baseball. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, I mean, Cleveland, credit to them, really strong second half. They're the youngest team in baseball. And Tito Francona still doing a great job as a yeah, manager. he's awesome. So. Still my favorite manager. Yep. All right, so question number three. The Mariners are headed to the playoffs for the first time in 21 years. How does the end of their playoff drought compare to other recent ones across sports? Yeah, the Mariners have always been, for most of our lifetime, they've been pretty irrelevant. I, I remember, I can't even say I remember, just, just by looking up stuff uh, or, you know, past clips. Like, I'm uh, Looking back, they they once had A Rod and Randy Johnson and Ken Griffey and all these studs on their team. It, I think there's the late '90s. Ichiro. Ichiro. Yeah. But then, all of a sudden, it was just Ichiro and and kind of whatever after that. And like they'd never been like a good team really, and they again they haven't made the playoffs in that in 21 years. And so, it's cool for them to for them to make it. Uh, I, I'll certainly be if I'm watching. I'll certainly be rooting for them most likely. Uh, whoever they play. Uh, I look. So, how does the uh the end of the playoff job compare to other recent ones? This is a, not an apples to apples comparison, but remember the Bills when they were not the Bills now, the Bills when they were <laughs> yeah. like, uh, they were being led by like Tyler Tyrod. I think was it Tyrod Taylor? Tyrod Taylor is a quarterback. They, they were nine and seven, and they needed another team. It was the Bengals <laughs> uh, to beat the Ravens. And and then all of a sudden, when the Bengals completed that fourth down, you saw all the Bills players like going cr- and fans going crazy over like just making the playoffs, like not like winning a Super yeah. Bowl, oh, just making the playoffs. That was a really cool moment, and it was uh-huh. it was so cool. I I was actually like, even I don't I know it's an in division team, but like I was happy for them like to see that moment, especially since I don't like the Ravens. Like so, and then finding out about <laughs> uh, the how the Bills fans donated to. Like the Andy Dalton's foundation. Look, it's not a perfect comparison whatsoever, but I, but what compares to it is the 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 emotion uh, that that team had because oh, because yeah, the, the Mariners, Mariners won, they on won a walk-off walk-off. home run. Like, they didn't, yeah, like, I thought the, that was when, so cool. That's how they clinched, and so mm-hmm. that moment of how they clinched was emotional or cool. Yeah. So that yeah, that's the. It's not a perfect comparison whatsoever. It's the it's the 
first thing, best thing that came to mind for me. I think there are a lot of similarities in that, you know, the Mariners and the Bills have had a handful of seasons yeah, where they're the competitive, Bills, it looked took, like it maybe they could find the playoffs. get back to the playoffs. Like, again, they're this amazing team now, but it took yeah. them a, a long time to get back. I think 17 or 18 years. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, long stretch for them. Um, so I know I... And another team, I that have, both s- of them haven't won uh, in the in the championship ever. So, uh, yeah, true. Again, the Bills have a much better chance at winning the Super Bowl than the Mariners do at winning the World Series. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, the Mariners are also five years behind the Bills in terms of that timeline. Right. So they have opportunities, and they have a loaded young team that could be very good moving forward. So I know I have a little bit of bias here, but another team went on a twenty-one season playoff drought and unlike the Mariners they didn't have a winning season that whole stretch that was the Pittsburgh Pirates who ended their 21 season losing streak not just by going 82 and 80 but by winning 94 games and making the playoffs as a wild card I think that was a little bigger just given how horrible that team was Um, but I think they're very similar comparisons I think they're two teams that are for the most part, irrelevant, um, you know, just in the parts of the country they're in. They're not big names, and especially in baseball when small markets are at a huge disadvantage. But I think that, you know, that, that's one where I still put the Pirates above the Mariners, but it, it, it is close, and I think it is really cool. I think another football one, you have to throw at the Browns missing the playoffs 20 years in a row, but I think that it's weird talking about the Browns right now and trying to, you know, be happy for their fans and stuff, so... Yeah. yeah um also so hockey and basketball the longest all-time playoff streaks are both active streaks the sabers 11 seasons and the Kings 16 yeah i don't know what those two will be like when they end but i i can't imagine them necessarily comparing because half the teams make it in those sports you know i know baseball has increased the playoff field but it's still harder to get in than it is to not get in so um you know it is kind of just pathetic at this I'm point curious what the, the coyotes uh playoff because they made it they made it in 2020 but that was because of the bubble when like three yeah i think those officially counted as playoffs yeah, appearances so <laughs> <laughs> i get it but it's like yeah that, that really shouldn't uh-huh. count but whatever yeah so um definitely cool for the mariners and you know i think that they're they're a team that it, it's easy to be happy for you know for them and their fans because uh you know how long it took for them to get here yeah looking at the american league it's like okay of the six teams three of them are in the division and then there's the in the indians guardians uh, I'm, I'm, that's gonna take a while to get <laughs> used to the guardians with tito i'll still i'll still root for him i don't care he, he was a great manager when he was here so i'll still root for him yeah Astros, okay, I'm not like a hater like everyone else, but I, I am kind of tired of like, all right, like I get it, like you guys, they, they get there every yeah, year, they get there, so. and they they're kind of like turning into the Dodgers a little bit with when it, the amount of times they blown uh-huh. it, uh, blew, blowing it twice in the World Series now, and then yeah, yeah, then the Mariners, so like they're probably like, the team I would root for or one of them, like if if it were to if they were again depends mm-hmm. who they face, but um, yeah. So it's to be determined, but yeah, that that's certainly a team, a fun team to root for, just given how long it's taken them to get back. All right, so question number four. The Pirates and the Red Sox both had disappointing seasons that fell far short of postseason appearances. What uh, would you like them to do this offseason? 
Yeah, so I'll start with the Pirates. I think that the number one priority needs to be making a decision on Brian Reynolds, either trading him for a boatload of prospects or signing him to the greatest contract in Pirates history because he absolutely deserves that, and it's not that difficult to top the $70 million deal that Key Brian Hayes signed on opening day of this year. So Brian Reynolds, even in a down year, is worth it. He had a career-high 27 home runs. 124 WRC plus, still batting 260. Um, you know, he got off to a really slow start, but turned things around after that, you know, April and, and May. So he needs, to me, the Pirates need to keep him. I don't want them to trade him. I, you know, by all accounts, the team believes in him as a part of the future. They just need to show it by handing him a contract. And from there, Pirates need to continue to increase payroll. Um, you know, it, I know that this team is kind of far from contention status, but you can't keep waiting around for guys in the minors to come up because this it's been painful to watch this team. And it's a joke. You know, they had an opportunity to revamp MLB's economic system this offseason, and the owners, including Bob Nutting, voted for status quo. So Nutting needs to spend some money on this team. Go out and sign relief pitching, sign a handful of hitters, you know, bring back Roberto Perez as catcher to kind of be the stopgap until Henry Davis or Andy Rodriguez is ready to come up and fill that position. And it, to me, you can build a team that maybe has a chance of being exciting and at least, you know, being relevant and into the season. And then ultimately the big thing that I'd love to see the pirates do is hand O'Neill Cruz a blank check because that guy has a potential to be a star and they need to lock him up before it's way too late because he is just incredible in every aspect of the game I know he struggled with contact early in the year but he has really come together the last six weeks of the season Monday night against the Cardinals uh, came out with bases loaded nobody out in a 2-2 game and he drew a four-pitch walk for a walk-off walk a bit of an anticlimactic walk-off for a player like him but uh, to me, that would be the ultimate highlight is if the Pirates sign him to a deal similar to like Wander Franco or Fernando Tatis Jr. I don't know if they'll be that big um, in terms of the financial commitment, but the Pirates certainly should do everything they can to keep him around Pittsburgh a long time because he has the potential to be a really special player. So for the Red Sox, so, so the Red Sox, they've always been a team that they're either, it's a roller coaster. They'll have years where they'll absolutely suck, and then there'll be years where they're world champions, which is great. But mm-hmm. oh yeah, <laughs> it's so very I, inconsistent. So they're they're going to finish last again in this division, and only, things can only go up from here, right? Uh, and hopefully they can contend again for a World Series. But I don't think uh, there's just not like one simple thing where if they just do this, they're back on track. Like, no, I think they have. There, there, there's got to be multiple things that need to happen. Got to find a way to keep Bogarts, which I, I, I don't feel confident in. I, I, if I were to predict, I, I don't think he'll be back, and I'm sure he'll be like on the Mets or Cubs or whatever. And so I would say find a way to keep him because he's certainly uh, been a great player for for many years for the team, uh, and then. And then, yeah, find a way to keep uh, Devers as well. And I, I know Devers is still another year or two away from being a free agent, but got to find a way to keep him as well. I'm not sure what to do with J.D. Martinez because he was awesome in 2018. I thought he should have been in the MVP conversation with Betts, but he wasn't even a finalist. But 
I really thought he was uh, very impactful in their lineup that year, but I don't think he is nearly the same guy as he was that year. And so if they were to let him go, kind of whatever uh, for him. Yeah, they're starting rotation. I don't know how to feel about it because I love Avaldi. He was certainly amazing uh, in their 2018 run, but I don't know what the future is for him at this point. He's definitely their number one guy, but I don't know how sustainable it is, uh, His how he's produced as a starting pitcher. So I guess we'll see with that one. I don't know. They have young guys like Brian Bayo who's been up and down as a starter, but he certainly shows promise. Um, and then Pavetta has been good and Rich Hill, Rich Hill, he's like, he's like 50. <laughs> yeah, he's, <laughs> he's anxious. I know he's not, he really said 50, he still wants to be pitching. He, like, I can't imagine him being, I think he's 44. Yeah. Like, the fact that he's still pitching is amazing. Yeah. So uh-huh. I would like to see him beef up the rotation. Cause I, I do think starting and pitching is very, very important in terms of winning a world series. And then, I, I don't like their bullpen. <laughs> I can't believe Brazier's still no, there. And yeah, yeah, maybe get someone like Edwin Diaz in free agency. Maybe that would be cool. Yeah, no, be, I would be, definitely emphasize pitching like, if I was uh, the Red Sox because uh-huh. I don't love their starting rotation, but it's better than their bullpen. Their bullpen, <laughs> their bull, their bullpen's brutal. Uh, anytime I watch yep. the Red Sox, it's always just you're really just picking at picking a name out of a hat and hope hope he doesn't blow it. <laughs> but and when it comes to their bullpen and usually they do blow it. So that'd be a cool, that'd be a move I'd like. Uh, that's probably, if, if look, uh, you, they got to make all kinds of moves, <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're definitely not one move away. And I yeah. mean, they're in the toughest division in baseball. If you want me you know, to, if you want me to prioritize what they need to do, I would probably say, yeah, pitching and probably their bullpen. Uh, because yeah i mean i think that they need to make decisions on bogart's endeavors you know bogart's is a free agent in all likelihood he's opting out i would be okay with letting bogart's go and signing devers to a big deal but if you're gonna let bogart's go then i would have rather you just trade him at the deadline instead of pretending like you're still a contender but like not fully committing is that yeah bogart's i wish he showed more power as a hitter, but he doesn't. <laughs> he just hit a grand slam. Wow, great timing then. So he must have heard me then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I got my wish there. Uh, uh, so, yeah, it's great. It showed just power just the right this second, but I wish he showed yeah, more right. power throughout the I game. know. His 305 batting average, he's, he's always been in a the, good the batting hitter. title race for a while. But, yeah, power, his numbers have been disappointing this year. And anytime you hit 30, when it comes to baseball players – I I never look. Aaron Judge is gonna be a free agent, right? And there are rumors about mm-hmm. him leaving New York and yeah, going to another I don't know team. That and one I want of them is the Red Sox. The Red Sox. I really yeah. wouldn't like it because yes, he's had this. I want him to year, leave but, the Yankees, but, but part of it's sign- because he's in a contract year. Like, hey, yes. no wonder why he's no, having a good it. season because uh-huh. it's a, uh, a it's a contract season, and I'm sure he'll cash in. And when he does, wherever he is. I'm sure he'll still be Someone effective for the first few years, but then I'm sure it'll uh-huh. be a regrettable contract by halfway through the contract. So Yeah, I mean, it depends what kind of deal he signs. I think that some guys, like we saw last year with Carlos Correa basically signing a one-year deal. He was injury-prone so. un- un- until this season. He's been oh, yeah. injury-prone uh-huh. for several years now. So that's actually yep. a move I would not want them to make. Yes, it would create yeah, more buzz, I'd, but I... It would be funny, but... It'd be good for the short term, but be, not, not long yeah. term. No. So I know no, I'm kind of all that. over the place, and the reason why is because it's not just one move that turns things around. It, they got to 
they have a lot of work to do. Yeah, and they really need other teams in the division to falter yeah, as part of it. So, which I don't see happening, uh, at least for Toronto. And then Tampa is always mm-hmm. going to be annoying. It's, yeah. I'm always annoyed how good they are with the payroll they have. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens with the Yankees. You know, Aaron Judge I think could be a huge factor there. And then Orioles. I don't know if I'm convinced that they're going to be just as good next year, but I don't think they're going to be the 100-loss pushover they were for the yeah, past five years. It's a tough years, division, so. even though the Red Sox suck. Like they, they actually do play in a tough division, which mm-hmm. certainly doesn't help their case. No, not at all. All right, so question number five. Which teams do you most want to see win the World Series, and who do you actually expect to make it there? So I think you kind of already answered that first part, yeah, at least uh, in the American yeah, League. Yeah, look at the American <laughs> League. Yeah, like... So, last year it was the Astros and Braves, and I remember one mm-hmm. episode where we literally said we have not been watching the World Series. <laughs> and uh-huh. so I'm kind of contradicting myself when I say this, but like if the Yankees were to make the World Series, I would have a real rooting interest in rooting for them to lose. You know what I mean? Like, I'd, oh, I agree. I'd be more. Uh-huh. It, it would intrigue me more if a team like that, because like, I don't really care, like in terms of like re- rooting for a team to win, but. I, mm-hmm. I do I do see teams that I would root for them to lose and that would be like the That's yeah the, definitely how I'm feeling. Uh yeah, so like Yankees Dodgers, like that would be a matchup worth watching, but I, I don't know. I I'd root for the Dodgers of course, but like Uh uh-huh. but it wouldn't be you wouldn't want to root for the Dodgers. Right, exactly. It's just really rooting more against a different team. Uh uh-huh. so I'm contradicting myself, but if so in the American League yeah, it probably would be Seattle or Cleveland. Yeah, I agree those with that. Little, I don't have a problem with Toronto in the American League. Yeah. Like, per- personally, for me and probably you as well. Uh, yeah, I, I, I've always kind of liked the Blue Jays. I know they're division rivals. I think the part Blue Jays of it would was be just interesting. That, I don't. I, yeah, like they've always been like, if it's not the Red Sox, the Blue Jays yeah. have always been like the team that I okay, I'd rather them than Tampa or New York. And Baltimore has been irrelevant. At least Toronto's had a few years where they've been a good team. It's going to sound stupid, yeah, but I Tampa mean, might be the last team because I'm annoyed by how how, yes, how good they I, are, but they're also not really uh, relevant to me that much. No, I totally agree with that. I, I think that Tampa is annoying. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm always annoyed how good they are. Yeah, I was very happy when the Red Sox beat them in the ALDS last year. So if it's Yankees raising the ALCS, like, I don't want to say I would root for the Yankees, but just like... <laughs> you want to be devastated if they won. Yeah, it's just, it's just. Uh, I, I do, I do want to be interested. I, I don't want to just tune into the very last second because that's what I kind of did with the Braves and Astros. Like I just, yeah, just the, watched the ending, the ending, and uh-huh. that was it. Like, I really didn't watch like the first. I, I mean, I would change the channel here and there, but like really watch it. Like I didn't really watch until yeah, like, probably game like, six. No, it, it's very much background noise to yeah, me. It, 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 um, it is background noise, and then. What about in the National, National League? League side? So, I don't want. I don't really want the Braves again because they made it last year. No, nope, I don't want to see the Braves win again either. Yeah, uh, we already talked about the Dodgers. You know, you root for them over the Yankees, but that's yeah. it. Um, so what Padres the- no because they don't have Tatis, and that kind of hurts their upside a little bit. And it would have been cool, to, yeah, like if if he were playing, but. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't believe in the Padres. I don't, that's kind of it. Like, I, don't I don't know how I feel either. about them. Uh, yeah, Phillies. Yeah, I don't know. I know you were high yeah, on them. Yeah, I'm high the on year. them. I, you know, not. But, 
I used to be a big Phillies fan as a kid. Just haven't been for a long time, though. I'll admit, so, I, I kind of just want an interesting matchup. <laughs> I'm not joking. No, that's fair. Yankees, I mean, I Mets, think that's Yankees, probably... Dodgers or, um, Yankees, Blue Cardinals Jays, would be interesting. Phillies or Blue Jays, Cardinals. I don't know. Just give me an interesting matchup. Don't give me yeah. Astros Braves. <laughs> I think I would want the Mets out of the National League. Mm-hmm. I think that they're the team that I like the most there. I've always been kind of back and forth on the Mets, but I, I don't know. I think the whole New York's little brother kind of thing where it's like you know they're not the red Sox, but they're not that much of a drop off in terms of rivals with the yankees so i think it'd yeah be cool you know to another, see. like the, the the red Sox and cubs they've broken their curses and like who's that like next team that needs to get over the hump right yeah well you like, have the, the so the the guardians 1948 oh, guardians, remember right. i hate that they're yeah. called the guardians i'm sorry <laughs> i know <laughs> but uh yeah that would be the team because uh because that was a, I mean, the games took forever, but the the last yeah, that was an entertaining the last World, World Series, Series that I was really really entertained. Like, okay, well, Red Sox Dodgers, but yeah, I mean, but yeah. taking out fan bias, Cubs uh-huh. Indians was really the last one I was like into. Even though again, the games took forever, including Game Seven. Like Game Seven was oh yeah with the rain delay. But game Seven, yes, I, I was, was glued like, to the TV for Game Seven. Game Seven so. was entertaining with the amount of back and forth that happened and going in extras but it took five freaking hours to play that game so uh that was probably the just give me an interesting matchup that's really all i'm asking for honestly <laughs> yeah no i i i tend to agree with that so i guess who do you actually expect to make it um let me see and the american league i don't i, I just don't i don't want to pick the ash i know they're the best team in the american league. i just don't want to <laughs> pick them uh yeah I know I say this every single time, and every single time I'm I'm happy it doesn't happen, but I'm always I'm always wrong on it. But like I do think the Yankees at some point will break through, and I they th- do. And they, they're they I think they've been better than we both expected. Well, I thought they'd be pretty oh, good, but, way better than I expected. But, I thought that injuries and stuff. I was just I don't know. I was way too uh, down on them. More I think it was more personal reasons <laughs> than anything else. Yeah, Seattle is a good story, but I don't think they'll make a, a run. I, at least I don't think they will. And then it's kind of the yeah. same thing with Cleveland. I think they just benefit being in an easy division. And then uh, I screw the Rays. I don't want them to do anything. <laughs> uh, so, I'm, yeah, I'm leaning towards Yankees or Blue Jays. I'll go with Yankees and then National League. You know, Yeah, the Mets did collapse at the uh, end of the year, but they still can win 100 games. I'll admit, Yankees Mets. Yeah. All right, Subway, Subway series. series. That'd be fun. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit, it's part of it's just I don't want to pick the Astros and I don't want to pick the Dodgers. No, and that's <laughs> fair. I think the Astros are the best team in the American League, and I do expect them to go to the World Series on the National League side. As much as I think the Dodgers are the best team, Braves and Mets are second and third. I think Cardinals Voodoo Magic last year for Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina, and Adam Wainwright. I think that's going to get them to the World Series and. I don't know that I'd love an Astros-Dodgers World Series matchup, but that's my prediction. And I'm predicting to be a matchup that I don't I know this was really some of my football, want either team to win. I know this was some of my football takes. I'm a year early on. Uh, I'm, so I'm Yankees-Mets, I remember. True, you did yeah, say so Yankees-Mets like, last I'm, year. My prediction's I'm a year early. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Okay, That yeah. I mean, that would definitely be a fun, entertaining yeah, series. Yeah, that, that, that one I happen, would so. watch a lot more than the one I watched 
the the one that was on last year with the Astros and Braves. Mm-hmm. All right, so that'll do it for this one. Um, we'll have more football talk and more baseball talk this month. And next week, we'll also talk hockey. NHL season underway. Excited for that? No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I yeah, I get it. I know the Bruins are. They had a questionable offseason. I I'm happy. I'm excited for the Penguins, that's always, but I'm also that's always a given. But probably yeah. even more questionable than than past years. Uh yeah. I'm not. I think uh-huh. they'll still. I'm probably overreacting. They'll probably still be a playoff team. Uh, and who knows? Maybe the coaching change will actually. Mo- Get the players to be more focused if they really didn't like Cassidy, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm still not expecting them to make a run. No, I, I, I totally can see something similar last year. Make the playoffs, losing the first round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll talk about that next week, and you know, of course, continue to to talk about those other sports. So, for my co-host Brian Wells, I'm Gordon Avani. Thanks, everyone. 